0: So he is delivering a message for people who still have that in their mind. They still know the history of what had happened to them. But he was not there. And so God is using him to deliver a message that helps the people see what has happened in the past, but to also see what he wants to do in the future. Sounds familiar to my situation. I've been here for a year and a half. I was not here in the good old days. I was not here... In the 60s and 70s, God knew about me, but my mom and dad didn't even know about me then. Amen? Thank you, Jack. I'm glad you're still awake. (laughs) So there's some similarities that I can glean from Isaiah as he goes into this, this nation of Israel and he's delivering God's message for God's people. There's two responsibilities of every prophet, okay? If you're taking notes, I want you to to see these, okay? The first one is this. A prophet's job is to remind the people of the past, but also to review that in that past, what did God do for them? So not just Isaiah, as you look at any prophet in Scripture, you go through the minor prophets to the major prophets, and all of those that you want to consider a prophet, you can talk about the fact that they were to remind the people of the past, And to review with them, hey, the past was great. You might have good memories. You might have bad memories. But let's not just think about the events. Let's think about what God did through those events and through us. Amen? Very important role. But that's not all. The prophet has another responsibility as well. He is to also warn the people. To... Help the people remember that the past is in the past and it's time to move forward. Let me just kind of, he's going to let them think about the past. He's going to remind them about what God is doing. But then the prophet's job that's very tricky is he's got to warn people about what could come. This is very tricky because in the Old Testament days, and and this is very important that you know this, when a prophet would prophesy, if their prophecy did not come true, they were literally stoned to death. It's it's in the Bible. I'm not making this up, okay? It was very critical that what they were saying, if they were saying, God told me to tell you this, and he's going to do this, if it did not come true, they were killed. Please, 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 don't kill me. Okay, I'm just the messenger. We say that all the time, don't shoot the messenger. In that day, they were shot. They were killed, you know, if they weren't right. But here's the other part of this. The prophet's job, let's pull that up here. The prophet's job was to remind them that the past is in the past. And God wants to move them forward. If you think about this, not just for for, um, Isaiah's, Time frame, but you think about all of the minor prophets and the same message that they kept telling the nation of Israel over and over and over again was that the past is there. You've messed up. You've made mistakes. You've had victories. You've beaten some people, but you still have things to look forward to. And the the prophet's job was to warn them that, yeah, the past is in the past, but we need to move forward. And a lot of times that moving forward meant, you know what? We got to turn away from those past mistakes. We've got to turn away from that past sin. we got to turn away from that way of doing things, and we got to move forward. We've got to look ahead at what God wants to do. The old thing for the nation of Israel was slavery and oppression. The nation of Israel will never forget this old thing that's happened to them. They will speak of it for generation to generation to generation. To, in fact, they're still speaking of it today. They will never forget it. And God reminds them that through Isaiah, that God was the one that delivered them. Look in the past, Israel. Look in the past at what you went through, but know that God is the one that sent Moses to deliver you from Pharaoh's oppression. God was the one that had a plan. God was the one that wanted to take you from slavery and bondage to the promised land. God wanted to do that for you. God wanted to help usher that in for you god wants to be the redeemer god wants to be the restorer he wants to remind them that he's not just doing this to do it he's doing it for their sake if you scroll back up to verse 14 in isaiah 43 he's reminding them i'm not doing this for my own kudos i'm doing this for you You see, I believe that God wants us to reflect on the past, to look at it and say, yeah, God was here, 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 and here. And as we turn to look to the unknown, we need to be able to trust God to say, God, I don't know what's out there, but I'm going to trust you here, here, and here because you were faithful here, here, and here. Amen? God, help us to look back as a guidepost, but not a hitching post. We know that you're going to do a new thing. And in fact... You're already doing it. Praise the Lord. He's already doing it. Let me give you an example. The past will always be in our mind. The highlights of the nation of Israel will be there as far as how they were redeemed. We can all remember where we were when something bad has happened. Many of you in here today can remember where you were when Pearl Harbor happened. Many of you can remember when 9/11 happened. I was just thinking of it the other day as somebody mentioned 9/11 and how many years ago it was that we're we're a generation into that that some some people weren't even alive for that yet. That just baffles me because it's still so fresh in our mind. You know where you were. I can I can have a conversation with you and you can mention 9/11 and you recall just like pastor greg did last week what you were doing where you were at and we all have a story we all have a story you can remember how many of you remember what gas prices were when you started driving almost everybody that's driving yeah and i'm not going to ask who has the cheapest one that kind of but Let me just, some people don't like it when I share my personal stories about this that reflect their age. But when I first started driving, I could go to the gas station because in the state of Nebraska, there was no sales tax on food. So my my mom and dad would give me a $10 bill, and I could go put $9 of gas in my car and get a a 20-ounce Mountain Dew for 10 bucks without no change, nothing else needed. That's crazy. And nine bucks of gas would fill my car up, believe it or not. Yeah, I had a small little sports car thing. It was awesome. Now, you go to put $9 of gas, you might get to the next gas station down the street here in town. And a dollar, you can't get a 20-ounce. Wait, you guys say soda around here? I say pop. I mean, you can't get a 20-ounce Mountain Dew for a dollar anymore. It costs you a dollar to get a two-liter. You know why they do that? This is free, by the way. This isn't in your notes. Because the two-liter won't fit in your cup holder. Yeah. It's convenience. It's marketing. Yeah. You're welcome for that. Yeah. See, we know where we were when gas prices began to skyrocket. We know where we were. We know what was going on in our life. We know where we were when tragedy struck. Mother or father passes away. Brother or sister. We know where we were when we finally got mad at the pastor for not preaching what we thought he should preach on. Or he didn't visit enough, or he didn't call enough. Sunday school teacher didn't call on us enough. We know where we were when somebody hurt you, or you were tempted to leave and start over. You know where you were when wrongdoing came from leadership. We can remember those troubling times. We can remember the bad memories, and they don't go away. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish God would eliminate our memories of some of those bad things. But he doesn't. Why? Because he's able to let us look back and see all the things that happened in the past, but also help us to look forward to the future. It's during these moments that, that God takes on the name Redeemer. He takes on the name Redeemer because it's important to, to him as well as the nation of Israel. He took on the name Redeemer because it's very simply uh, why he did this, I believe. I believe he took on the name Redeemer, and Redeemer means he's taking something that's bad that's happened, and he's redeeming it to make something good out of it, okay? He's, he's fixing it. He's making it better than it was, Okay. He wants to redeem the nation of Israel's past and their slavery and the bondage and make it into something better, the promised land. Why? Because he wants them to trust him as their God. He wants to be a personal God to the nation of Israel. He doesn't want to be some big judgmental God that's up there with his hammer, beating on people when they mess up. That's not the God he wants to be. He wants to be a God who loves people, who helps people, who is just, who is right, but is loving and caring and gracious. He wants to be a personal God. He wants to be your Redeemer. He wants to be my Redeemer. He wants to be everything that we need. Why? So that we can look back on the old and say, God, you were with me through it all. And as I look forward to new things, you're going to be with me. And in fact, you're already doing it. Amen. The old is there, but the new is what he's looking wanting us to look forward to. So I want us to look at the new things in verse 18. Verse 18 in a in a different translation, the New Living Translation says this. This is how it reads. It says, "But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do." Wow. This isn't this isn't BJ's words, okay? I'm not as your pastor saying, you know what, scrap the past. That's not what I'm saying. I'm reading God's word that says, forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I want to do through you in the future. Don't forget how you did it. Don't forget the glory days and the good memories and the hard times to just forget it and put it aside and bury it and it's gone. But it's nothing compared to what I want to do if you'll continue to trust me and be faithful and we will continue to do new things. And in fact, it's already begun. In fact, I've already given you two straight years of growth. In fact, I've already blessed your people enough that giving is up so you can do more. In fact, I know what you're getting ready to do and it's scary and it's, it's hard. It's not going to be easy and people don't get it, but we got to move forward because it's nothing compared to what we did before. Wow. Wow, that gets my attention. When God says to his people, forget it, I want to do a new thing that's nothing compared to what I used to do. Wow, that's good stuff. That's good news. It grabs my attention and it makes me realize, God, you want to do something in me that is a brand new thing. You want to do something in me that is better than you've ever done before. And you want to use me to be a part of that. Wow. <laughs> the prophet Isaiah, he 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 depicts this language very beautifully, in my opinion. But it's a little bit backwards in how we think about the Old Testament and how it was written for basically for remembrance. But Isaiah had a very key responsibility to not only remember the past, but to to provoke them and to help them to realize that God wanted them to move forward with the past staying in the past. The past, you see, was meant to be a guidepost, not a hitching post. It's supposed to guide us. You know, as believers, we need to realize our rich historical past. We have such blessing that we've come from that is so great. There are people that have that have made it possible for us to be where we are today. They have sacrificed. They have given over and over in countless many ways so that we can be right where we're at today, not so we can stay there, but so that we can move forward. Amen? I'm thankful for the past. I'm thankful for the rich heritage that we have. I'm thankful for those times. But God is saying to us, I want us to break through and do a brand new thing. But oftentimes we get in the trap of focusing and remembering the past. You know, we reflect and we remember and we stay there. We dwell there. (laughs) Michelle, if you will, we abide there. We worship there if we're not careful. We get into the past of remembering the good old days when we were running 300 in Sunday school and church in the 60s and the 70s and the 2000s. We sang the old hymns of the church and people were running the aisles. The spirit was different pastor back then. It doesn't have to be. It's the same spirit today. It's the same spirit that gave us the power and the and the courage to do some really off the wall things and we say where's that spirit now? It's still here. It's still here. <laughs> what will people think? We want to remember the old times when sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so sacrificed their farm and their livelihood for the church. When people attended revivals and the place was packed and people were seeking God above anything else. When revival was scheduled, everything else was canceled. We, we want to live there. Why has it changed? Why has it changed? Why has it changed? Why can't we get back to the good old days? The good old days are still ahead of us, in my opinion. Because that same Spirit says to me in the book of Isaiah, Behold, I am doing a new thing, and in fact, I've already begun it, if you'll just get the picture. Forget what's back there, forget what I did there, because I want to do something great ahead of us. Are you ready? Are you willing? Will you be obedient? If we're honest with each other, with ourselves, even with God, we must remember those days, but we cannot dwell on them. We cannot live there. God wants to do a new thing, and in fact, he's already begun. So what does this mean for us today? What is God already doing in our midst that is a new thing that we can keep running with? God has been talking to me a lot recently about our goal. Our goal to connect and engage with Real people for real relationships and real encounters with God. That's our version. That's our way of fulfilling the Great Commission. Connect and engage with real people. Make relationships with them. Experience and encounter God in a real way that transforms us. So I started thinking about that, and how do we do that? How, how do we make that happen? So how does this apply to us in the new year? Now, you might be thinking, Pastor, you're, you've titled this message New Year, New Things. That scares me because that really probably means change is coming. No, the word says, in fact, it's already begun. Did you catch that? People, people, one of their critiques of me is that I've changed too much too fast here. And I look back at the last year and I say, wow, I don't feel like I've changed anything. And yet God is continuing to be faithful. So I think about our goal, and I think how we're going to do this. Well, I started asking the question to our staff, and I said to our staff, I said, what does a disciple of Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene look like? What does a disciple that we are that trying to fulfill this great commission, and we're trying to connect and engage with real people for real relationships, what does that really look like? And if, as people walk past, Figuratively, they walk past PCN and they say, you know what? They're producing blank disciple. That church, that body of Christ, is really helping people to do what? And to me, that is the new thing that God wants us to explore this year. What is it that we are helping people to become as they follow Christ? We're not wanting them to be a disciple of Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene. We're wanting them to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we developed this goal through God's direction and God's help to connect and engage, but we're going to do that through three steps. So this is what it looks like for us as a church this new year. And this is, this is why I'm, I'm calling this the year, 2019, the year of focus. The year of focus. And here's what we want a disciple at PCN to look like. We want them to be able to love God. We want them to be able to grow in their walk with God. And we want them to begin serving God. Now, you can can classify that in so many different ways. And if you took a glimpse in my office, you would see the different lists that we've come up with. And you can say it a a whole lot of different ways. But here's simply how this breaks down. We want every person that comes to church here, Whether you're a regular, whether you're a member or not, when you come in these doors, and not necessarily the first set of doors, but when you come into this place right here, this place of worship, we are all about loving Him. When we come in here, we do not apologize for what's going on in here. Why? Because it's not about you and I. It's about Him. Well, pastor, what if a newcomer doesn't know that song or, or they were used to those songs in the past and they're used to this format? It doesn't matter because when we come in here, it's about him. It's all about loving him. And how can we create worship environments that make people realize when you come through those doors, it doesn't matter what you're leaving behind you because when you come in here, it's all about him. A true disciple of Jesus Christ looks like somebody who worships Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth who loves Him no matter what, who wants to be in church, not to just socialize because to, to, it's accustomed, they're accustomed to it. They want to be here because it's a place they can freely love God. Amen? What else does it look like? It looks like a place where people can take that next step in walking with Him. You can grow in your walk with God. Well, pastor, how do we do that? Don't you think we need to probably teach people that? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. Teach them to obey all of the things I've commanded them. That's the other part of the Great Commission that a lot of times we leave out. We're not leaving it out because it's in this grow step. Pastor, what are we going to do? We already have opportunities. We do. And guess what? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, look, I'm about to do a new thing. And in fact, it's already begun. Guess what we did this year that was so phenomenal? We had our first annual Sunday school fair. Anybody remember that? Nobody. Great. And a couple of you. Okay. Where we, we highlighted all of our discipleship opportunities. What does that mean? Where you could get plugged into a place with real people to build real relationships. And guess what? Learn about the things of God to help you become a better Christian. What is that? That's growing. Growing with God and with others. Then we did something else that we've never done before. We had a life group kickoff, and we had a series of life group uh, meetings, and and people were like, pastor, what's a life group? I said, do you go to Sunday school? Yeah, you're in a life group. Do you come to Wednesday night group? Yeah, you're in a life group. So we didn't have to change anything. It was already in place. We just put focus to it, intentionality to it. Why? Because we need to fulfill the goal that God has given us to make Christ-like disciples, and how are we going to do that? By loving God and growing in our walk with him. Every person that walks through these doors at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene needs to be given an opportunity to love God in spirit and in truth. And they need to be given an opportunity to get plugged in somewhere where they can take the next step in their spiritual journey. That means if somebody who's still searching, who's never trusted God with their life, to the person who's been here 40 years and is a sanctified through and through believer that's still growing in God. That growth step is for everybody. Amen? That's what it looks like. Then what does that last part mean? Serve, serve. Guess what? If you're worshiping God with all that you have and you're growing and you're taking that next step, there's gonna come a place in your life if you use this altar as an illustration. You trust God with your life. You commit your life to him. You start loving him and you're worshiping him with everything you got. And you're moving down this line. And then you're, you're growing all this time. You're growing. You get plugged into a group and you have intentional growth and they start teaching you about the Bible. They start teaching you how to live and you start growing and you start getting more and more and you're excited and you're passionate and then guess what happens? You call me up one day and you say, Pastor, I need to talk to you and I'm worried because I don't know what it's about and I'm worried because I don't know if you're mad at me or what's going on and you say, I need to talk to you and you come into my office and I'm scared of you and I'm worried about what you're going to say and you say to me this, Pastor, Where can I serve? (sighs) Oh, they get it. They've loved God with all that they have. They're growing in him and finally God's opened their eyes to see, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about how we can reproduce that same thing. Because there's way more people out there that need what we have in here. And the only way they're going to get it is if we serve. Because we're taking the love of God and the growth we're experiencing in Him, and we're saying, you know what, I need somebody else to be right next to me that knows what this feels like. Wow, pastor, I don't know where I can, I don't know where this can happen. (laughs) I have good news for you. God is up to a new thing at Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene. And in fact, it's already begun. And He wants to do so much more than He's ever done before. If you and I will be faithful to Him. Amen? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I believe wholeheartedly that God has called me to preach his word, but to preach his word for a response. And sometimes that involves calling people to a point of decision where we say, you know what, Jesus loves you. He desires for you to be in a relationship with him. And that response time involves us opening the altars or having you respond in a way to say, I trust God with my whole life. That's one way of response. Another way of response is maybe we say to you, here's, here's something I want you to chew on today as you leave this place. I want you to go think about this and pray about this. And I want you to ask God what he wants you to do with it. That's one way to respond. And then another way to response is just to say, you know what? I am willing to say yes to God no matter what. In other words, I'm willing to go anywhere as long as it's forward. Amen? So I want to ask you today as a time of response, what does this mean for you? A new year, new things. A new year, new things. Maybe you're somebody who's never prayed in your life before. You've never trusted God. You're still searching and you're here today and you're like, what does this mean for me? I don't even believe. I don't even believe yet. I don't even trust him yet. Good. (laughs) I want to invite you to respond in this way. I want to invite you to pray your first prayer. And I want to invite you just to say, God, what does this mean for me? Where do you want me to go with my next step? Maybe that's trusting him. Maybe that's something else. Maybe you're out there today and you've been living for God and you've been serving him and you've been trying to be the best disciple of Christ you can be. But God's saying to you today, I need you to take that next step. I want to invite you today to pray about that. To ask God specifically, what does that mean? Because we've already heard multiple opportunities, even today, how you can do that. If you're at that place where you need to grow and you're wondering why you're feeling stale in your walk with God, maybe you're not in a discipleship group and you need to be. Maybe you're not coming to Sunday school and you need to be. Maybe you're not coming to a Wednesday night group and you need to be. Maybe you need to plug in and grow a little bit deeper. Maybe you're there, maybe you've done it, and maybe you even led that. And you're wondering, man, I need a break I need, to get, I need to have a break to get refreshed. And I want to say to you, if that's you, I want to say thank you for your service. Thank you for what you've done for God and for this church. I really do appreciate it. But as we continue to grow and we continue to see things, we have the Samaritan's Closet that needs workers. We have children's nursery care workers that we need more workers. Why? we got a lot of kids that we're taking care of. We need more Sunday school teachers and small group leaders. We need more people who are willing to say, whatever it is, Pastor, I'll do it. I'll say yes. So it's a new year. It's a chance for us to respond. It's a chance for us to say, God, you're already up to it. I want to join in. I don't want to be hitched to that post anymore. I want to use it to move forward. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Father God, we love you. And we are so thankful for your love for us, that you give us opportunities, Lord, to approach your throne, to grow deeper still with you. And I thank you, Lord, for 2018. I thank you for what it it meant to me personally and what it's meant to this church. I thank you that as we turn the calendar over to a new year, that, Lord, we can... Look back and say, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for what you continue to do. But God, we can use it to look forward and say, you are about to do a brand new thing. And God, I want you to use me. God, I couldn't help but think this morning as I was going through this review one last time, Lord, I couldn't help but think of the prophet Jonah who was scared to say yes to you who tried to make excuses. Jonah would say, God, I haven't heard from you in 14 years. Why speak to me now? Why give me this message? He wanted to get out of it. He ran from you. Moses was given a message. He was given a job. And he said, why me? I'm not good enough. Today, God, I pray that you help us. In 2019, as disciples of Christ, to say, God, (laughs) I don't want you to use anybody else. I want you to use me. If you call me to something, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to know that you're going to provide a way. We're saying yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I pray today for all of us here that you'd give us an opportunity this year to trust you with the new things in our life. And we will give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.